This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. And here we are. You are here live with Dr. Jeff Werber. You're your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff, as well as Instagram Live. Here for you, here for your pets. So if there's anything you want to talk about, now is the time to let me know. I am waving back to a lot of my listeners and viewers here on Pet Life Radio and on Instagram. So um, don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. Ask questions. So anyway, a couple of ways to get a hold of me. The easiest way is to join me here live. On here on Instagram Live, you can just send me a message and I can easily, we can talk about whatever it is you want to talk about here on Pet Life Radio. You go on to PetLifeRadio.com, click on shows, go to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff and you can join us there. Or I know there's an old fashioned way. It's called the telephone. Uh, you can just call it directly 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882 and you can ask away. It'd be great to join me here on live. That way you can see you, I can see your pets, and uh, it's the, kind of a great way to do it. So um, anyway, I hope everyone had a great week. Those of you who uh, are in Fort Myers and the areas of Florida that were hit by Ian, God, uh, we feel for you. Anyway, I hope everyone's pets are safe. I mean, that's the thing, you know, dog, you have some, except there was, I heard a story about a woman who had like four horses, but her, her horse trailer could only carry two. She ended up staying back with her four horses, and fortunately, you know, everything was fine. But, oh, I'm sure you saw the, the news and the videos of what's going, what's going on there. It's unbelievable. A house ended up on top of a building. I mean, it blows your mind that the power. I remember when we lived in New York, we moved here to California in 1962, and we had two hurricanes. We had Hurricane Esther and Hurricane Ethel. I remember everybody in New York has basements. Here in L.A., now they're starting to build basements, which is a great idea. But everybody had a basement. We used to have to run down to the basements. So, yeah, it was, uh, I don't miss the hurricanes. But then again, as people say, <laughs> they don't have earthquakes. At least a hurricane, you have a warning. A tornado, you have some warning. Earthquakes, you get nothing. You get zilch. Uh, you know, it just hits you at any time, and there's nothing you can do about it. So, I don't know. It's a toss-up. But uh, I did not like those hurricanes. All right. So, while you are thinking and getting the courage to pick up the phone, to either call me on 877-385-8882, send me a message here on Pet Life Radio or on Instagram um, with a question. Thank you, Alma. I don't know about the world. Maybe I know I'm the best veterinarian in this household. That I can, that's the only thing I can guarantee. So now's the time to ask questions. So in the meantime, as you know, I like to you know, it's just kind of go through the American Veterinary Medical Association and also the American Animal Hospital Association. They have these news blurbs that go out, you know, several times a week. And I'm always interested in stories that are not only good for me. I mean, there are a lot of them that are good for me, but they may not ring loudly for you because there are a lot of more scientific stuff. But I always look for the stories that are appropriate for the pet parents for you as well. So uh, um, that's what I'm going to, uh, some of these are fine. Look, a lot of these things I even find interesting. I mean, what's going on in the pet world is unbelievable. So it's really cool. So um, now this is really good. This I found interesting. And, you know, when I talk about stories like this, I'm not surprised. We, there is so little when we think about the, the grand scheme of things, how much we don't know about our animal friends that we are still learning regularly. And this one was a good story. And again, you're going to hear it and you're going to go, some of you are going to say, well, duh, of course they know. Any, any of us who have dogs, we always say they can read us. They can read us. 
better than we can read them. And so it's fascinating. So check this out. Dogs can detect the scent of stress in humans. They can actually be trained to detect changes in body odor and breath odor that occur when people are stressed. We don't sense it. We may feel, get the feeling of stress, but there is actually something that changes in our chemistry and emits an odor that is, and it's not necessarily a bad odor, it's just a different odor. But the reason why this is so interesting is that if dogs can be trained to do this, then if there are people you know, that have service, true, legit service dogs, uh, people suffering from PTSD, for example, that these dogs can be trained to sense some episodes of severe stress before they actually become stressful. So that might be, be help the people they're working with. So um, I think that's really good. Oh, Cirilia from Detroit. Well, welcome, welcome. That's great. I'm happy to see that. And what they're saying is that we didn't, obviously, we didn't know why, but when we say, and I know our dogs, they can sense when there's stress or in the household or whatever, in the, in the, in the kids, somebody, that that's why they know it. It's a change in our, it's, they can't sense necessarily our body language, though they probably could do that too. But it is a certain change in odor that happens within us. And that's what they sense. And as we know, we've talked many times about how amazing a dog's sense of smell is. And um, with our mere 5 million olfactory receptors, smelling receptors, and they have 250 to 300 million, you can see why they can smell like everything. And they get so intrigued by it. But this is, another, this is how they detect cancer. There are changes in our smell with cancer, and they can pick that up. And that's why these dogs, and even changes with COVID, that's why they're using dogs, and they were sniffing us. So it all has to do with that, and it's fascinating to me. Now, speaking, speaking of the amazing senses of animals, this one shouldn't surprise you either. I've known about this one for years when it comes to dogs, but it's beyond dogs. Check this out. Manatee, alligators, sharks, and sea snakes in Florida waters probably began sensing the change in barometric pressure as Hurricane Ian was approaching. And they started to make their move then, a couple of weeks before, to safer waters. And there was like a mass exodus. How did they know? It's because of changes in barometric pressure, which they can sense. Sort of like talk about a warning. They, they even knew the warning before the warning because they knew it from sensing the changes in barometric pressure, and they took off looking for safer waters. And now, and this is, this is how I know this, because we get this in dogs a lot. And that is, I'll get a call from somebody, and their dog is acting weird. Something's off. It's almost like the dogs who don't like thunder, who don't like fireworks, loud, loud noises, and they start shivering and shaking and hiding. And people would call me and say, it's something where their dog is acting weird. He's hiding. He doesn't want to come out, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I know that I heard a news report that we had a storm coming our way. And with dogs that have that fear, they don't need the weather person to tell us what's going on. They know what's going on. So for those dogs, here's the association. When they first felt the change in marriage pressure, they didn't know what it meant. Okay. But then the storm comes and then the thunder comes. They start freaking out with the thunder. Now the Pavlovian response they don't need the storm anymore. They don't even need the thunder. All they need is that same 
feeling that they felt the very first time with the change in barometric pressure. And now automatically they're making that association that the thunder and lightning and, the, and loud sounds are coming. And they start their fear behavior literally at the onset of the change in pressure. You know, it's really fascinating. So to hear what these other animals, the manatee, the sea sharks, the sea snakes have done, the alligators, it makes total sense that they, they have that sense that we don't have. We know there are machines that measure barometric pressure, but we can't, I, I can't feel it. So our animals can. So uh, I think that's really, really cool. So next up, before we go on a break, this is also interesting. Now, many of us, and this rings home to many of us, because here in my neighborhood, Beverlywood, we see coyotes. And I know you see them north. I know up on, on sunset there in, in Brentwood, you see them everywhere now. And they're on the hunt. Well, what are they looking for? So when we have rat problems and raccoon problems, what are they typically going after? They're going after our garbage cans. And they say, if you want to eliminate the problem, put those straps on top of your garbage cans so that the rodents and animals, small animals can't lift the, the lids, etc. But coyotes, carnivores, right? They want the meat. What do they want? They want your cats. They want your small dogs. So it's a different, you know, so what they were saying is that, and if you have a big dog, you're probably safer. But if you have two or three coyotes, they think they can handle anything. So I would still be careful. So they'll also eat, by the way, coyotes will eat plants and bugs, but you know they're going after food. So I mean food, live food, meat food. So they're less interested in your garbage cans. The raccoons and rats want your garbage cans. They want their, your small animals. So be very, very careful. Keep your, I mean, if you have outdoor cats in LA, I always say, you know, I have five cats, they're all indoors. And I always say, so it's dogs, cars, coyotes, right? Feline leukemia feline AIDS, right? So these are all the things to get our outdoor cats, which is why I prefer my five cats to be indoor only as they are. But if you have outdoor cats, these coyotes, they're pretty good. And I mean, good at catching small animals and dogs. I mean, a cat can escape a coyote way faster than a, than a little dog can. So those of you who have small dogs, if you have coyotes in your neighborhoods, I would recommend not leaving them outside all day unattended, especially at dusk. The coyotes seem to come out as the sun just starts to set. It's not dark yet. We're talking four, five in the afternoon. And that's where, I mean, driving down Beverly Drive, there have been sightings where we've seen, you know, like groups of three or four coyotes running down Beverly Drive together. And another thing, coyotes, it used to be that if you got like out of your car to kind of scare them, make yourself big, ah, they would run. Now they don't. They don't run. They sit there and watch you. Okay, buddy, go for it. Right? They are challenging. So it's not the same. They are hungry. We have been displacing them with where we're building. And uh, it is what it is. We have to be careful. So let's do a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a new program out of uh, Washington State University uh, Veterinary School. Pretty cool. All right. We'll be back after these short messages from our sponsors. No calling. For those fortunate to have experienced the deep bond and unconditional love of a companion animal, the death that follows can be one of the most difficult and misunderstood losses to go through. Many times, this devastating loss goes unrecognized and trivialized by family and friends, leaving grieving pet parents struggling to find healthy ways to cope with the loss. In And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal for healing the loss of a pet, Dr. Julianne Corbin calls attention to the difficulties unique to the loss of a beloved pet and provides an interactive and compassionate guide to help you process your loss 
and work towards coming to a place of peace and healing. For those interested in journal therapy and looking for a professionally written and compassionate resource to help understand and reconcile the grief associated with the loss of your pet, this book is for you. And I Love You Still, a thoughtful guide and remembrance journal by Julianne Corbin is now available for purchase on Amazon and other major book retailers. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> And we're back, we're back. And during the break, I was talking to our live, our Instagram live followers, and a question came up about platelets. And uh, so platelets are a form of, it's, it's like a white cell. And what they do is they, they are the meshwork of clotting. So if you have low platelets, then it's going to have a tough time clotting. You're going to excess the bleeding because there's no meshwork to create the clot, the blood clot. And these are called thrombocytes. Now, there is one reason for low platelets, and that's called thrombocytopenia. And that is an immune-mediated condition. And so typically, when the immune system gets so worked up, okay, when the body starts attacking its cells, it's like a feverish kind of reaction, and they go bonkers. They stop distinguishing which cells they're going after. It's they want to attack anything site, and that could be white cells too, all right? And that could be plates. So when we have, for example, hemolytic anemia, and the body is attacking its own red cells, it hops on the platelets for the ride. And that's called thrombocytopenia. So it's sort of activated by some condition that we don't always understand. And the body, as I said, the immune system gets very worked up. And in that process, it starts attacking everything it sees in sight. So the body is attacking itself. So the normal range for platelets is between two and 500. So when what happens is the body, this cat, for example, had a 114. But there's also something called platelet clumping, which is a condition that when the pathologists are going through and you know, evaluating all the blood tests, et cetera, and the different blood cells, they are counting, they're looking at their, their morphology, their shape, their size, and they're commenting. So when they see, when there's low platelets on the counting, that's done by a machine, then they look at and see what's going on. And oftentimes they'll say, the platelet count may be off because of platelet clumping. So that machine only reads a clump of platelets as one and not all the platelets. But when the pathologist is looking at them and sees them clumped up together, then they make that comment. So unless the low platelet count is associated with evidence of bleeding or bruising, all right, we'll call it ecchymosis, then I don't worry that much about it. What I'll tell you to do is we should recheck the, the CBC in a couple of weeks and um, just the CBC, complete blood count, uh, with differential, and then and we'll see really was that number real or not. But anyway, generally, if there is a real platelet problem, it's either because they're not being made and spit out by the bone marrow, or they're being made but being attacked, or losing them with bleeding. But obviously, if that were happening, you'd know it. Okay. All right. Good question. What oral flea medication do I recommend to fight fleas and other methods? Okay. So here's my take on this. And um, again, this is where. The, the old expression, a little knowledge is dangerous, comes into play. Because if you go on to Google, these sites sensationalize. They take something that is real, but they make it sound like it's way more real or realer, if there's a word, than it is. And here's one exactly that one. There's a newer class of flea, very effective, very effective flea products called the isoxazolines. Okay? And the isoxazolines are... 
Credilio, Semperica, NextGuard, and Brevecto. The Brevecto is 12 weeks, and the NextGuard, Semperica, and Credilio are 30 days, four weeks, four weeks and a couple of days. Now, there have been cases of animals that have a predisposition to seizures, and that by being on this one or more of these isoxazolines, it triggered a seizure. So the question is, do these drugs cause seizures? Or if animals have a predisposition to seizures, it might then incite a seizure, which seems to be by the experts, by the scientists, this is what's happening. The numbers are very, very small. Think of it this way. I want you, when you're watching TV, and I want you to know how many of these drugs that you hear on TV, that they are advertising, after you hear at the end of the commercial, the warnings, and some of them even end, may cause death. Are you going to run out and buy the drug? Right? Meanwhile, there are millions upon millions of people using these drugs and are fine. But the FDA, you have to print and cite every negative reaction, every one, even if it may have nothing to do with the medication. could have happened while they're on the medication. Let me give you a quick story, which I found very amusing. A very good friend of mine is one of the top board-certified veterinary internists in the country, all right? And he broke away. He was working with one of the big aggregator hospitals as chief medical director, super smart guy, super nice guy. And um, he started a company called Anavive. What they do is it's a pharmaceutical company that looks to market drugs that are kind of not off the beaten path, but they're not big enough in need or necessity for the big players like, like Zoetis, right? Like Merck to go after. But there's still a big need in veterinary medicine and they're doing really well. P.S., they were testing a drug and they had, I don't know, 100 or so um, dogs on the, on the medication, and they had to put all the time. Why? The dogs that did not finish out the trial, why? Did they die? What happened? So two of the dogs of the many, could have been a 1,000 for all you know, it was a lot. The um, market, the test market was pretty big, okay? So they call it the, the end. How many animals were in the study? So two of the dogs happened to have drowned. They lived in a house with a pool, and they drowned. So when they're getting the report. And so they, they cited that. There were two of the dogs, this one died because this was old age, this one was hit by a car, uh, two dogs drowned. So when they get the report from the FDA, it says, may cause drowning. Are you kidding? He was a child. Are you that dumb? The FDA, how stupid could you be? They live in a house, there's a pool, dogs drown. Old dogs fall in, whatever they get, they drown. They didn't drown because of the drug. So he wrote a letter to the FDA explaining and then spoke to somebody. And they, oh, okay, okay, okay. Meanwhile, on the final report, it says may cause drowning. That's how dumb the FDA can be. So having said that, everything has to be reported, whether it's part of it or not. So I have five dogs on Brevecto, and they have never had a problem. I've even given them NextGuard, and no problem whatsoever. I personally have yet to have a client that had this seizure reaction. So I will only tell you that they are very safe, very effective, okay? Now, if you like topical better, Brevecto also has a topical version. Now, for cats, Credilio has a pill version, and of course, the Brevecto has a, um, the topical version for cats. Uh, the others are not approved for cats. So, but they are very effective, and those are my, uh, my favorites. Frontline, Advantage, still very safe. They're not gonna nearly have the efficacy they did when they first came out. And for years, they were the best, but it's been 18 or more. I mean, I was national spokesperson for, for um, Advantage and K9 Advantix, and I know the drug very well, and it was, I was very happy with it. But it's been too long. They didn't change the formulation. They went over the counter. There are more doses out there. The more out there and the more poorly used because they're not 
monitored by the veterinarian. People are going and buying it. They, they're taking a break. They, they didn't go the, they after, they sort of did another one after four weeks or 30 days, and they waited you know, 40 days. And that time, those, those last three fleas that needed a little bit more of a push, they're the ones that were laying eggs, 40 eggs a day. And those 40 eggs, now they have that resistance. Before you know it, it's bound to happen. It's been too long in the market. So uh, my recommendation is go with one of those Saxazilines. As I said, they're, uh, they're very effective. And in my book, they're safe. Oh, and speaking to my colleague, who is Dr. Flea, Dr. Mike Dryden, out of K-State, Kansas State University, there's not a product on the market that hasn't gone through his lab. He says that what they did find in those dogs that did have reports of seizures, it not, wasn't all their Saxazilines. So if Provecto did the seizure, try Nexgard, try Cardiola, try Provecto. I mean, um, Simperica, you just don't know. So same question for Martino. That's what I recommend. Are there other methods better? You know, look, all, someone just came to me the other day and tried all the natural stuff. That was the they wanted natural stuff. That's okay. Nah, it, it didn't. Uh, not, it's not as effective. Not as effective. So nail trimming and, oh, this is good. Share tips on how to get my dog to be okay with nail trimming and filing. She freaks out. So here's, all right. First of all, just so you know, as an older dog, an adult dog, it's going to be more difficult. So first we're going to talk about, it's the same process, but when you have a young dog, you get a pup, what you want to start doing is everything's got to be good. Everything's got to be positive. So you touch their nails, which are back and forth, trimming, no files, touch it back and forth, you go, such a good girl, and give her a treat. And you do this every day, just a little bit. Then you start, you, you start touching the nails and get the file out. It's two, two things on the file. Not to be effective, just, it's just get the news in. Always good girl, good boy, and a treat. And you do that with the filing. Then you take the nail trimmer. Now, don't even get close to the quick. Like literally just a tip, all right? So you know, if, you, if you're looking at a nail, if you're lucky enough to have clear nails, they're pink, and then you see clear, you know, like a whitest part, all right? That's what you clip. Do not even get close to the pink part. That's the nerve. That's the blood supply. When you hit that, that's why they go crazy. Because at one point, their experience was, let's go back to the thunder and lightning, right, story, all it takes is one time, and they make that association. You start touching their feet, and they see that clipper, you're dead meat. There's no way they're going to let you do it. You hurt them. Somebody hurt them. So it's sort of retraining, and you do baby steps, and you make it fun, and you don't even, you're better off doing the nails more often and just tip, trimming them, tipping them, than you are trying to cut them back all the way. And now, is there a problem? Yes, that if you don't cut them back and always up to the quick, then the quick will extend. Yes, it does. So sometimes what we have to do with certain dogs, I would say in our experience, Doberman pinchers are the, the most, that when we have them sedated under a sedation for a dentistry or for some sort of surgery, we then will cut the nails back all the way where each one bleeds, we cauterize them, and that's called training the quick back. We're getting the quick to kind of fall back so we can, again, be more effective when we're trimming the nails and to keep them shorter. So it's not an overnight fix. It's baby steps. It's making it fun, treating all the time, touching and treating all the time, and always and just make it like fun for the dog. And, um, and that's, uh, that's what you got to do. As you said, not easy in an adult dog because they're, you know, it's like anything. Just like, you know, they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Why? Because us old dogs are set in our ways. And is it impossible? No, no, I've learned some, I've learned many things over the years from my young associates, but it, you just got to go baby steps, but it, it can be, it can be helpful. I really like this story. So Washington State University in Pullman, good vet school. 
they are starting now a lot of veterinarians i shouldn't say a lot there are a few veterinarians out there doing what we call laparoscopic surgery now i don't do it my incisions are pretty small i'm pretty darn good what i do with the like surgeries abdominal surgeries but just like with people when it comes to this kind of technology veterinary medicine is going to lag behind a little bit now there are veterinarians out there doing laparoscopic surgery first of all it is a tough learning curve it is very expensive. The equipment is very expensive. So that means the surgeries are going to be very expensive. I still have my, my hesitation, my fears that if, if you're you know, not good or something happens in surgery and you accidentally cut something you shouldn't have cut, or as you're using your equipment, you go rushing against some vessel and all of a sudden the belly starts filling up. Okay. You're in trouble. You're in trouble. So it's got to be someone who's very seasoned and has done many, many, many of them and is that comfortable and that confident. But so they have a Washington State now has a class for their students. And also, I would imagine it's going to be continuing education. It's a laparoscopic training and they do virtually they do. They have a simulator which simulates the, the organs, the placement of vessels. So you're learning, but you can't hurt anything because it's all it's all um, virtual. And I think that's really, really cool. At this point in my career, if I was a lot younger, maybe out 10 years and not almost 40, I probably would have um done something like that because I look I love surgery and it would have been really cool to offer that but I think it's great for young doctors I think it's phenomenal I just there's a cute a microchip in a cat found in Idaho all right was identified and it was a missing cat from California nine years earlier can you imagine how this cat ended up from California to Idaho who knows but it was microchipped and it was a California microchip. They were able to identify the original owner. I don't know any of the backstory, whether it was lost, whether, who knows? Or maybe they were traveling, I got away when they were traveling. It could have been as simple as that. But anyway, bottom line. All right, there's another great story. Oh, I'm gonna end with this one. And I'm gonna save this, the second to last story for next week. A dog in South Carolina, right, died five months shy of his 23rd birthday. That's cool. That's like, my good friend's grandmother just passed away and she was 102. Her mother, the great-grandmother, died at 105. And there's a younger sister who's 96 and still driving and sharp as a tack. Want those genes. So uh, that's great. So I think that's all we have time for. I will stick around for a few minutes. And uh, yes, I agree. And uh, if there's anything you want to get a hold of me, you can always get a hold of me here. Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. I will be happy to answer your questions. Oh, do me a favor. I like texting, but I love talking. I'm sure you figured that out already. So if you are going to text me here on Instagram and you want me to want to discuss a problem, leave me your phone number. I don't mind if you have my phone number. I give it out to everybody. And that's because I don't like texting. I can accomplish in a two or three minute conversation what would take me a 10 minute texting back and forth. To me, it's the biggest waste of time. And if there's one thing I don't have a lot of, it's time. So talking is better. Send me your phone numbers. You'll have my phone number. Much easier for me. All right. Anything else? Any hands? That's it. All right. So have a great week, everybody. We'll be here next week. Save that time. Save that channel. Uh, those of you at Pet Life Radio, again, would love you to uh, join me. And if there's anyone that you think would be a great guest, because I have some people I'm trying to get as guests on the show, I'd love to have them on as well. All right. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. See you next week. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.